We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School. I was about to say pregame show. I've done a lot of podcasts <laughs> in the last seven days, um, maybe seven hours even. Welcome to another edition of Casual Fridays. Uh, we are going to react to what the Knicks did, didn't do at the trade deadline. Um, it's our first pod in a couple of weeks because we've been reacting to games live because Nick's been playing on Thursdays. And I got to be honest, I, I missed that. I, I loved reacting with these gentlemen <laughs> on playback. Uh, please subscribe to our Patreon so you can at least join us for those watch parties. But we're going to talk about what the Knicks uh, have done and more importantly, what they haven't done at this year's uh, trade deadline. And joining me, as always, to talk all about it. I'm curious where this is going to go. First, we'll start with Mensa. Mensa, how are the vibes? I just want to say um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day to everybody but RJ Barrett's haters, most of which <laughs> exist on Nick's Twitter. To those people, I hope that when you go to the deli this morning or whenever you next go to the deli and you order a bacon, egg and cheese, that the man who prepares or woman who prepares your bacon, egg and cheese forgets to put salt or ketchup or whatever it is you like. I hope you don't get that. I hope you have a very miserable experience the next time you order breakfast. <laughs> because Talk to the <laughs> has once again beat the allegations <laughs> of being traded <laughs> more than anything else. For those of you who think that RJ, I'm sorry, not even RJ Barrett. For those of you that think that $240 million worth of Zach Levine is worth our time, you belong on cross tween Twitter. You don't belong on Nick's Twitter. You don't belong in any positive discourse around this team because you've let us all know that you, my friend, don't know ball. So <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way. And listen, everybody knows by now, if you've watched this podcast, that I am a very, very big R.J. Barrett supporter. If you told me tomorrow that the Knicks traded R.J. Barrett for Zion Williamson or for an actual star and not Zach Levine and... Who's, oh my goodness. I don't want to make this the Zach Levine rip show, but he's not what we want and he's not what we need in a time when opportunity cost is everything. If you're willing to get rid of 
going to whatever. Because it wasn't just going to be RJ. It was going to be RJ and picks. If you're willing to get rid of maybe three or four of our top seven-ish assets for Zach Levine, I need you to reevaluate some things. I need you to go on dunksandthrees.com and maybe look up um, some um, some impact metrics. If, if you're like me and you like win shares per 48, go look at that. But get off of YouTube, please. Do us all. No, no, no. Not now, because I need you to stay on this stream and watch us. But after this, like YouTube highlights, not for you. You need you need to study. You need to really reevaluate your understanding of basketball because Zach Levine is not it. And that's all I wanted to say about that. Okay. Uh, back to the introductions of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, XJ, that will go over to you. Um, did you want to trade RJ Barrett? And if so, does that mean that you don't know ball? Um, I, I mean, I do not have an opening rant to start, uh, <laughs> you know, my introduction, which was tremendous. Yes. Uh, I, I did not want to trade RJ Barrett. Uh, I have some, some questions about the whole negotiation that I, I'm sure we'll get into, but, um, yeah, not 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 too much. I'm feeling good about what we did do, which mm-hmm. we'll obviously get into. I'm a big Josh Hart fan and excited to talk about why. So let's go. So the vibes are what? Vibes are vibing. Vibes good. are vibing. I dig. I'm that. feeling really good. Yeah. And then we got to go over to Sean, who um, dives headfirst into the timeline uh, every day, and I'm curious how the timeline reacted to what the Knicks did and didn't do over the past 48 hours. Uh, Sean, how are the vibes? Um, judging from the fact that damn near the entire team went to see Jalen Brunson get his jersey retired at Villanova yesterday, mm-hmm. I would say the vibes are intact. As for the timeline, um, <laughs> honestly, the timeline was too busy um, setting up for the repass for the funeral of the Brooklyn Nets. So um, maybe we'll check back in tomorrow after the body's gone cold on the other side of the East River. Mm-hmm. And then we'll find out what Nick's Twitter feels like. But every time I looked, it was just literally like, you know, they'll set up the mac and cheese over here. The DJ was over here and they're just waiting for the They're just waiting for the uh, for the for the um, for the services to end. So that's so that's where we are with that. I I was told the uh, the city was under new management. I, I'm assuming we had a regime change in the last 24 hours, Sean. There were some um, there was some restructuring mm-hmm. um, of management, um, and apparently, it's not a good idea to let your um, middle management <laughs> run the entire organization, especially one that you know takes PTO whenever they want to and, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, you know, shares anti-Semitic material and not reading it and things like that. But Mm -hmm. we've spoken about them enough. Let's focus on the Knicks. Yes. RIP in peace, too. I will say, and and actually, you hinted at this in the group chat. um, I actually really like what Brooklyn's done to tear this down. If you're going to tear it down, get as much back as you can. One second. What's up? I have to interject because mm-hmm. we have not taken the obligatory 10 seconds to laugh at the Brooklyn Nets. 
It's not just me anymore. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> I want to be in this clip. So there you you go. Go. There you go. Oh, my God. Clip that, people on Twitter. Okay. Um, I will say, I, I do like what they've done, too. There's a very fun, no chance of winning anything significant, but still enjoyable to watch team over in Brooklyn now. And I think they, that's like the role for them. Like, be their their fans will be passionate about that team and the league won't care about them. That is totally fine. You know, embrace the mid Mm -hmm. and and it's going to be cute watching when they're plucky and feisty and everyone starts, Hey, look what Brooklyn has done. They've for the second time, they've been able to rebuild after shooting themselves in a, anyway, we've talked enough about them. Let's go. Let's talk about the Knicks. Let's talk about the Knicks. We kind of, hinted at what they didn't do around, uh, I'm going to say around noon on Thursday, trade deadline day, was the first report that I saw that uh, the Knicks are talking to the Chicago Bulls, potentially in a Zach Levine uh, blockbuster deal. I mentioned it to you guys in private. I obviously will not go into full detail. I did reach out to somebody in that I will just say is in the know uh, and was sources. told sources. I just, I hate to, I'm not a journalist. So I don't, I hate calling him a source. I just will say like this person is, would know, you know? Um, and I was told it's absolutely possible that this happens, that this, this is their, this is being talked about. They are progressing towards something. It is in play. It will happen. And it kind of threw my day for a loop because we were going live at two. And it's like, all right, I guess I got to stop everything to make some Zach Levine cover art. Um, having said that, the Knicks did not trade Zach Levine, trade for Zach Levine. Um, the rumored packages um, out of Chicago, there was one that I saw that was centered around RJ Barrett, which we talked about the poison pill so much that um, I think we all, at least how I received it was like just, give up trading RJ Barrett if you're trying to, because the poison pill complicates things so much until the off season, a salary like Zach Levine would make it a lot easier though. If that was the direction the Knicks wanted to go. Um, and Jeremy and John clarified as much in our live stream. And then the Knicks didn't, um, there was another report out there that said that, uh, there was a, a Quentin Grimes. I almost threw my phone when I, I saw this, a Quentin Grimes, um, OB topping and then Rose and Fournier, Plus, I think two to three picks was the thing. I just that I I'm glad none of this happened and I'm curious where it came from, but I'm glad none of this happened with it not happening. Um, XJ, when you saw the report that this might happen, um, what was your thought and what was your reaction? My thought was. Let's take a second, guys. Let's like really think about this, right? Mm. So I I know where this is gonna go with not just our my co-panelists, but with all of Nick's Twitter, all of Nick's fans across the world. But I just want to take a step back. Okay, the package that you just talked about, Quinn Grimes, Obi Toppin, the salary fillers, a bunch of picks. That sounds crazy. Like, yeah, if I saw that, I would it would be a real problem. I would have came on here like Mensa in my my opening. I wouldn't have gone to <laughs> I wouldn't have gone to introducing myself at all. But let me preface by saying I'm a buy low guy. I'm a value guy. I'm a I buy my winter clothes, you know, at the end of winter kind of guy. Like I'm I'm going for the discount. So I would have been 
not happy with, but like reasonably understanding of a, a Levine deal that was like a basically a straight swap for RJ. Not saying I would have loved it. Not saying I would have thought it was a good deal. I would have thought that's a reasonable yet risky move, right? Like, so Levine is signed through age 31, which is the point when players who rely on their physical gifts really start to go downhill, like 31, 32. Both he and RJ have four additional years on their contracts. Levine would make, I looked at, I looked it up right before we came on, 13 million more, 14 million more, 15 million more, and 19 million more over across those four years than RJ. Now, I believe that 80% of peak Zach Levine is better than RJ and better than RJ will ever be. I, like, this is just my genuine belief. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really hard it, or it's really easy to forget how good peak Zach Levine was offensively. He was a premier offensive player in the, in the NBA. His peak season, I want to say, is like roughly the same offensive equivalent to like SGA's year this year. Or Donovan's Mitchell's years this year, like that was peak Zach Levine. Like, imagine getting uh, like the offensive production from an SGA. Like, that was who he was. I don't think he's going to ever be that again. To be clear, but eighty percent of that, can he be that? Can he be that for four years until he's thirty-one and hits the end of his physical prime? Maybe, maybe not. That's the risk. That's the risk. Would I be willing to take that gamble if it was up to me? No. Would I say it's crazy? It's insane to do that? That's unbelievable, preposterous? No, I wouldn't say any of those things. I would say, hey, that's a tough risk. Not sure about that. Hopefully it works out. I would not be storming the garden. I would not be coming with the pitchforks. I would understand. Now, if you're throwing in assets, if you're throwing in unprotected picks, yeah, that's too much. Let me get out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm off that. So for me, I was like, let me take a step back. Let me understand what the deal actually is going to look like if they do one. And I could have seen one that I would have respected as okay. That, that was my perspective. Sean, what about you? Was there a version of this deal that you would have thought is okay? And then does that also match how you felt when you saw the, the reports out of Chicago today? Um, so funny, I had a meeting. I had a meeting from 12 to 1. And after my meeting, I looked at my phone and then I saw and I was in chat and I saw when the, the Zach Levine rumors started run, 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 being thrown around and I was like, OK. And then I had meetings at two to three fifteen ish. And I said, if I go into this meeting at two and I, if I go in these meetings and I come out and Zach Levine is a Nick, I'm going to be beside myself with anger. To XJ's point, a straight swap of Zach Levine for RJ Barrett in a vacuum is not the worst thing in the world. However, one, we don't live in a vacuum. And two, if if the Bulls called me and said, you want Zach Levine? Oh, I'm always RJ Barrett. I'd be like, I smell a rat. So any deal that so basically I say that to say any deal that would have involved us getting Zach Levine wouldn't have been a straight swap. It would have been some semblance of some collection of players and draft capital. Um, my thing about Levine is that your draft Levine is a player who relies on us on his athleticism, who has a torn ACL. 
in his left knee and they had arthroscopic surgery on that same knee in May. And then at the beginning of the season was um, doing load management. And I think it was Dave McMenamin who said like, no, it wasn't Dave McMenamin. It was, um, I think it was Benji. I think it was Benji. Wow. And Benji was like, you don't do load management at game one. So that's like, so for me, the Zach, like everything XJ said is like, yes, 80% of Zach Levine's peak is probably better than RJ Barrett. That's not a crazy statement. The problem is with his knee two years from now, he might be the worst contract in the league. So for me, it's like, I would rather take my chance with the 22 year old kid with his warts and his issues. than this guy where again, his like someone who relies on his athleticism that's already had multiple surgeries on the same knee. I wouldn't, I would have been very upset. And Again, if they had the, the trade that got thrown out there, which is three first and all those players, like to me, that's the that's an all in move for lack of like maybe it's not totally all in, but it's like 80 percent all in. It's like, wait a minute, you saved everything up for that. I would have been apoplectic. It, it's enough all in, you know, that yes. even if it's not all it's not Donovan Mitchell and what that would have cost. Like we didn't see the Cavs make a move today because they cannot. You know, like the the all in move version of that would have at least it's all in enough that it's it would have handcuffed them to a point for for the next move. Um, Mensa is the pushback to well, so is it a full pushback to Zach Levine? Like, there's no scenario if it's RJ for Zach Levine that you would do, or like, what do you think of the the take that eighty percent of Zach Levine um, could be looked at as better than RJ Barrett? Okay, so I'm going to um, go about this without addressing uh, the cross tween haters or the cross tween lovers and the RJ Barrett haters by talking about what peak Zach Levine looked like. So that's his age twenty five season, uh, which was the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one season. XJ, am I right for saying that that's peak Zach Levine? Yeah, I would totally agree that that was him. Okay, so peak Zach Levine on offense had uh, six thirty-four TS on, and I know you're you're not a big usage guy, but a thirty-one percent usage. So basically, he was shooting the ball a ton, making a lot per thirty-six. That's a guy who averaged twenty-eight points, five assists, five rebounds a game. Was shooting fifty-seven percent from two, forty-one percent from three. I think it's very easy to agree that that guy is better than RJ Barrett may ever be. Like that, like that's maybe like a two or 1%, like, like 99% like percentile um, outcome for RJ Barrett. So to say that that guy is better than RJ, you get no arguments from me. However, that guy's not coming back. I'm sorry. It's just, he's just 80% of him. I don't think, well, I mean, you can argue that 80% of that guy is here now, but like Sean said, two knee surgeries. And the big thing for me is that salary because how many teams can have a guy who's making 37 million, 40 million, 43 million, 45, close to 46 million in 26, and then another like $49 million in 26, 27, and have two guys better than him at that salary. That's the problem. The problem is his salary hamstrings you. It's the same thing we saw. Like, how can we be a team that in 2010 signed Amari Stoudemire, who had bad knees? Get what a season and a half of good basketball. 
half a season to a full season of good basketball from him and then have him fall completely off a cliff and then go after a guy like Zach Levine. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, And then on top of that, if you've ever seen a guy with a bad, well, how many guys with bad knees have you seen as they get older become better defenders? Because Zach Levine isn't exactly a good defender. And if you thought RJ was bad at <laughs> oh, wait till, wait till you see 29-year-old Zach Levine on his third knee surgery. You know, like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And then to me, that is the all-in move, not because of the assets it's going to cost you, but because at the end of the day, this is a salary cap league. And once you have somebody making that much money, what are you going to do? Like, how do you get two guys better than him in the building after you gave up assets? You know, like, it just, it's just... There's no price I would pay to have Zach Levine on my basketball team just because I don't think he's good enough for the salary that he commands and he will never be good enough to val- to for that opportunity cost and that value. So that's why I'm fully against it. Look, if you want to tell me that Zach Levine is a better basketball player than RJ Barrett, you will get no arguments from me, like none whatsoever. It's not about that though. It's about the assets is going to cost you and then it's about the amount of the the, the percentage of the salary cap that he's going to take up, which hamstrings you. And it's just something like we know they're not going to trade. We know they're not going to trade Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle might be an institution at this point. So like there's nothing we can do. I would not make that move. I think you save that salary spot, that salary slot, I'm sorry, for a guy who was absolutely worth it. And if you even have doubts that he's, that he's worth it, then you don't go for it. The Knicks are not in a position where they have to be impatient. They can wait. They can take their time. And jumping in on Zach Levine, it's like, bro, I don't, I don't want to be the wizards of yesteryear. I don't want that at all for my team. So that's why I'm completely against the idea of Zach Levine. It less to do with the production, less to do with the swap, but, and, and, but for me, everything to do with the salary slot. So I don't have much to add to all of this. I think you guys covered literally every aspect of it. It's, it's less about a straight swap Levine versus RJ. Cause if that was, like if they all if they both made the same contract and you're just taking that out of it, if you're just saying for one game, even for like this season, I think there's a world like I can get behind it. There's so much added to it. Like I like XJ, I'm hear you about 80% of the peak version of Zach Levine is better than RJ. It also costs like so much more than what RJ um costs. And I think where there may be a disconnect is RJ's not untouchable. For me, at least, I think I, I'm open. Like I would have been open to an Ananobi trade. I think Ananobi's personally would have fit better on this team, or will fit better on this team. And I, I would caution the what did you call them the the teens the cross teens the, the, cro- the cross tween lovers the cross tween Twitter. Okay, those that um, defend R.J. Barrett um, like that or the R.J. Um, there's a version of uh, Stan that should buckle up for this summer because I, I think this is a forecast that this conversation is not going to end. I think the Donovan Mitchell summer was our first indication that they're not sold on this player and don't view him as anything more than the third or fourth best player on this team. And look, a new location might prove right or wrong. You know, I think we're we're we're, we're kind of like that with a couple of players on this team. Um, but I. I personally was like, not this can't be the guy because the thing I've come to admire about the situation the Knicks are in is that they don't have a max contract on the books right now. 
their entire current playing rotation is all guys that they either drafted or or invested in at a bargain. And like they're winning. Like they're playing they're playing hard. They're they're able to um maximize uh, this to a, a point where I know what I think this season ceiling is, but the future remains bright because of what they've been able to do this year. I want to say I totally agree with all of your arguments. Like, I think those are very strong arguments. I don't feel strongly like, man, we should have really went after Zach Levine. My point is that I, th- I, f- I feel I can make a strong or reasonably compelling devil's advocate argument that you could take on Zach Levine. And one of the aspects of those arguments is that I, I said what, um, how much more Levine would be making above what RJ would be making. And I said it was 13, 14, 15, and 19. Mm-hmm. The mid-level exception for this year, I think, is 11.3, 11.4, something like that. Next year is expected to be like 12, then 13, 13. Like, we're talking about the value of a little bit more than a mid-level exception player. That's, that's the difference. And I think the difference between, again, like where Zach Levine can get and where RJ can get, I think that difference is more than the value of like a mid-level exception player. And so, I think that the money that you're looking at is actually not as considerable as it feels like it is saying like, yeah, when he's ma- when Levine's making 50, it is. but And that would be really bad because the 50 is a player option. So if Zach Levine takes that, that means he's not very good and he's just locking in $50 million. That would be absolutely horrible for sure. But in those years before that, if he's somehow able to stay healthy, which is a huge if, and that's why I'm mostly in agreement with you guys. Like I'm not so far in this other direction. My point is that if he was able to stay healthy, this is the kind of thing where you buy extremely low, you take on a huge amount of risk, and that's how you're able to buy low. The only reason you're able to get Zach Levine and what I said, a a straight swap is the one I would consider. If you were able to do that, the only reason you would be able to is because you're taking on a huge inordinate risk. That's the way you do it. And that's the way I believe you win championships in salary cap leagues, even though he's making a ton of money. You get guys at very low value and you take a risk on them. And and that's my only point. Otherwise, I fully agree with all of what you said. So to your point, the Wiggins for D'Lo deal, what the Warriors did with Wiggins, that's a buy low yes. trade. I don't yes. think that's the trade the Knicks would be making, unfortunately. Like the like, that's like fair. think about that's this. Fair. The Warriors got a pick and Wiggins. I don't think the Knicks would be giving up assets along with RJ. Well I wouldn't is, do it if they were giving up assets along so we're all in agreement. I don't like in theory, in a vacuum, you're right. That's a trade I would also consider making for Levine, or at least understand if that's the one they made. We were hearing like a pick swap, like OB, a, a Quentin Grant. Like we were hearing other assets. Being no, that, that stuff which is means, insane. No, which means the Knicks wouldn't be operating as a buy low candidate. They'd be trying to trade for one of the stars, which. I think they have two of them here and they might need to use one of them to upgrade to a better one this this offseason or in an offseason in the future. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100. 
or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Knicks fans? This new year, you've got goals and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest. With keto, calorie smart, vegan veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of more than 36 quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Out, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery. Just two minutes. Also, eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor. Each meal has all the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to your vegan and veggie meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Don't hesitate. Head to factormeals.com slash filmschool50 and use the code filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Again, that's factormeals.com slash filmschool50 to get 50% off your first box. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. So somebody might benefit from a change of scenery and we can only um, hope that 
uh, it goes better than how it went here. Uh, and that person is Cam Reddish, who was traded to the Portland Trailblazers yesterday um, for Josh Hart and a protected first round pick. Mensa, we'll go to you first. You saw this deal go through. Your immediate thought was what? People are not going to like what happens to the starting five. That, is, that was my thought. Do you think Hart's going to start over Quentin Grimes? Um, if so, the more like that was my immediate thought is why is mm-hmm. what I would say is that like on first glance, I'm like, well, if I know my coach and I think I know my coach, he is going to go with the guy he trusts. He's Brunson's boy. The whole thing, like all like the um, I guess the semantics around it made me feel like Hart is going to get the starting job over um, over Quentin Grimes. And I thought, especially because Quentin Grimes hasn't been playing his best basketball. I, well, no, he's been playing pretty good, but like he hasn't been playing like, I guess, to the eye or like to the feeling he wasn't playing his best basketball. Then I looked at the numbers. And I'm like, oh, wait, the only thing that <laughs> Josh Hart does better than Quentin Grimes is rebound the basketball. Rebound. So, um, well, can, well, considering that Mitchell Robinson is out right now, you might want to add some rebounding to the starting lineup. But also it's like, I think he does come off the bench. And that led me to the idea that quickly Hart and Hartenstein are going to play some really high level basketball in that second unit. So um, if, if, of course, if um, Tom Thibodeau allows like Hartenstein to do anything, you know, offensively, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, But, you know, I love the move. (laughs) I, I love the move. I think that you're adding a good basketball player to a rotation that needs more good basketball players, especially when me personally, I'm smelling blood in the water. I think that um, Brooklyn is going to be coming back down to the pack. I think that Miami is getting ready to add a guy that I love on every team, but mine, um, (laughs) which is going to, you know, bring them even further below us. Cause right now we're neck and neck with Miami. And I think that adding a guy like Josh Hart, with what's going on to the other teams in our um, conference gives us a shot to be as high as the fifth seed. And I really, really, really want that four or five matchup against Cleveland. Cause I think we match up great with them, but again, another story for another day, but I think it adds wins to what should be a really compelling um, playoff push for a couple teams in the Eastern conference. So I know you, you corrected or at least adjusted your, what you're saying that your initial thought was that Hart would start over, over Grimes. I think the only it's not so much a pushback. My immediate thought wasn't even that he would start over Grimes. It's that the reason that Tibbs was so hesitant to take Evan out of the starting five was because he made it clear he needs shooting. And what does Josh Hart not do well? Shoot. Um, One of the criticisms of Obi is how poor of a rebounder he can be at times. And if you put Josh Hart next to him, that kind of solves that problem. Obi can maybe be more of a floor spacer and be used a little differently than just your traditional like rebounder in that sense. Um, although one has more of the offensive side than the defensive side. I digress. The lack of rebounding Tibbs might think he gets from Obi. He'll now be able to make up some of it with Josh Hart, which is why I think, like you said, this would be this is a perfect addition to the second unit. Um, Sean, we'll go to you. What was your reaction when you saw it? Um, my action, my reaction was, and I tweeted it that I am slowly coming to grips that um, the days of number nine in New York may be numbered mm-hmm. because and you, uh, you and uh, 
John and Jeremy alluded to it yesterday uh, during the uh, the Mercy live stream that Josh Hart fits next to a lot of players, fits well next to a lot of players on his team, except that guy, not yeah, Sean sorry. Hardy, Ron Alexander Barrett Jr. Um, I think it's a I I would have liked to see harsher, better protections on the pick, like maybe like top nineteen, top twenty. Um, because like, I wonder where you got those protections from, Sean. I wonder where you got those protections from. (laughs) Was it, was it Mensa? No. New York Knicks traded for a top 19 protected pick once. Oh, for one Cam Reddish. For one Cam Reddish. Okay. I was fine with the protections, but go ahead. I, so I said top 20 because top 20 basically means like playing or playing or not. Um, so like if we make a play in, but you know, play the Raptors who turn into freaking the 86 Celtics when they play us and then Mm -hmm. we lose. And then it's like, okay, now we're out. So basically that happens. We're out of pick, but whatever. Um, To Mensa's point, uh, uh, Miami and Brooklyn are looking shaky. So we, there's a good chance for us to land in the top six. Um, Listen, we needed rebounding off the bench. We needed defense off the bench at the wing position. We got that. Uh, like I said, it's a slight overpay, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, in, in this in this market where you're trading players for five second round picks and, and stuff like that, it's like, all right, you paid a little bit of a premium for a a wing defender because most of the league wants wing defenders, right? So, you know, I, I, I welcome it. I don't think that I see where Mintz is coming from about Josh Hart starting possibly over Grimes because mm-hmm. of who the head coach is. But at the same time, Josh Hart, who is a career 34% three-point shooter, which is league average, is shooting 30% this year. So that would be that would be a, like again for the guy that kept playing Evan Fournier. Um, I think he values Grimes' shooting. Um, as for the player that was sent out in the deal, um, look. I don't think he's as great as his hive thinks he is. I don't think he is this. I don't think that he is a, you know, I don't think he's destined for Shanghai, um, you know, in the next month or so. But, you know, I wish him the best. And I would like, I would like for that player. I could say his name. I could, I would like for Cam Reddish to <laughs> maximize his potential and hopefully figure out what needs to figure out. Um, DJ had a great thread about Cam today saying like Cam has his issues and changing teams won't fix that issue. So it's upon Cam to try to become better at what he needs to become in order to become a rotation player in this league. So again, I wish him the best. But at the same time, this is now two franchises that said, I don't think it's going to work here. Um, That doesn't mean it can't work for him. But, you know, we'll see what happens for him. We'll see what happens for him in Portland. Him and Kevin Knox together, traded for each other now, now on the same team. Am I crazy, XJ? There's just like no scenario I saw when the trade, like, did I, am I missing something when the trade got made that I didn't think at all that Josh Hart was here to take Quentin Grimes' spot. It was very much a Deuce McBride upgrade. Yeah, I I mean, I think the fear around Josh Hart taking Grimes' spot is that he's a tips guy, like through mm-hmm. and through. And I, I don't think it can happen because of the shooting. Um, I don't think Josh Hart is 
a league average three point shooter. I think he's below league average. I think he was below league average five out of the seven years of his career. Um, so I, I think it's pretty clear he's not going to be a really effective shooter and definitely not going to be on the level of a Grimes. So I think based on having Brunson, RJ, Randall in there, Mitch, and I, I don't see a, a way to take Grimes out of the starting lineup. Um, but I think, you know, what Sean was saying about feeling like, you know, RJ Barrett's days are numbered in New York. Actually, I feel this move made me feel the opposite about one Tom Thibodeau. Oh. This move is starting to make me feel like Tibbs' days in New York are—I don't know what the opposite of numbered are—are are oh. are, are, are not numbered. <laughs> hashtag extend Tibbs. Okay. Hashtag gotcha. extend Tibbs. I, yeah. Besides that, before I get into all that, I do have a lot to say about the Hart thing. Like, I love Josh Hart. I think he's a very unique NBA player. Um, and obviously, like we've talked about, most people watching this and, and most people know he's he's probably the best defensive rebounding wing in the league. Um, and also one of the best offensive rebounding wings in the league. But at the same time, he's also one of the best finishers in the league um, at the wing position. And also one of the best transition players at the wing position. Like he is relentless attacking on the break. And he's not a big like playmaker, but he can definitely make the extra pass. You know, the, the, the buzzword connective passer. He, he's, he's that, you know, and it's kind of strange because he's only around like six, four. Um, which is shorter than Quentin Grimes. Uh, but, he, but he is a very similar defensive player to Quentin Grimes. Like he can guard decently well above his height. Um, he normally takes on one of the top two opposing uh, offensive players, whether it's a wing. Um, I think Portland's recently had him more as like point of attack defender, and he's done really well in that role. Um, you know, he attacks the basket with cuts. And, and like I said, he thrives in transition. Um, but yeah, he's not a good shooter. He's not. Uh, he's been... Like I said, worse than league average, five out of seven years in the league. Um, I looked up some stats briefly. He shoots 33% on catch and shoot threes this year and 33% on wide open threes, meaning no defender is within six feet Jeez. of him. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's like an untenable shooting. Um, you have his splits in front of you? I don't have him in front. I just had those okay. two numbers. I wonder yeah. what he is on corners because my thought... I can, I'll, I'll look that up. You look that up. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, so I, you know, the shooting, that shooting is like kind of untenable. I, I, he has it in him to be a league average shooter, but I don't think you can bank on it. But, but my point here, and, you know, I've talked about this a few times and I've kind of like gone deeper and deeper into it. I think that the Knicks entire offense is tailored just to get into the paint and not to get into the paint and kick out for a three, but to get into the paint and get something off the rim for an opportunity for an offensive rebound. I think they're essentially gaming offensive efficiency because the math works out such that their expected points per possession is very high due to the frequency with which they get offensive rebounds and either get a putback or run basically an entirely new possession for free, right? Like that's essentially how it works when you get an offensive rebound. So, um, you know, like the old notion about how a three is worth 50% more than a two. So you have to shoot 50% from two to match the efficiency of shooting 33% from three. That math is really incomplete because offensive offensive rebounding rates are higher on shots that are closer to the basket. So you have to consider the added points expected of getting offensive rebounds at a higher rate when you're taking shots close to the basket. That's why guys like Brunson, Randall, all they do is they get into the paint and they take the first floater floater range shot available to them because they're trying to because they're just yes, exactly. Because they're just trying to get offensive rebounds. Like it doesn't matter if you shoot a worse percentage on those shots because 
Mitch is a monster collecting all those bounds at an insane rate. So Josh Hart is going to help with that. He's going to help with long offensive rebounds. He's going to help with getting into the paint and getting shots close to the rim. And I think, I believe the Knicks offensively, their philosophy is such that they're okay with not getting open threes. They like that paint shot better than open threes or relatively open threes, I should say. Um, so yeah, I, you know, he, he, if he only hits threes at a slightly below average league rate, uh, below league average rate, um, I think given that he's able to attack the paint, given that he's able to score in transition, I think he's good enough offensively to be conducive to maintaining their top 10 offensive rating while at the same time considerably improving their defense and working with almost anyone else on the court as a wing, being able to play potentially anywhere from two to four. Um, so I love Hart. I think it's a great pickup. I think it's well worth the premium, the slight premium that they played rel- paid relative to some of the other trades that we've seen. I think he is easily the best non-star that was traded. So non-KD or Kyrie guy that was traded. I think he's much better than Jakob Pertl. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, so, wait, I think XJ froze is what happened. Not that you finished. Just, okay. <laughs> you stopped mid-sentence and I was like, oh, I guess X- XJ's done. Okay. Uh, Yaka Pertle. With a frozen. You're good. Shout pretty- out. Oh, see, now you're frozen again. There you go. The, the internet clearly wants you to be done with your point. Um, Sean, did you get an answer for um, what do you yes. think corners? This season, Josh Hart on corner threes is shooting 30.8%. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So it's literally a deuce upgrade. That's so. Yes, it's a deuce upgrade. Look, I, Mensa, I hear you. I know, I, I know my coach too. I don't no no I that was my first thought is what I right, said. your first thought. Okay. So I don't think they're going to start representing. You're good. Okay. My bad. My bad. Um, look, I, I agree. This coach can last year. We're all kind of scarred of like, however many games of, of point guard, Alec Burks and Taj playing over Sims and closing. Um, and like the Randall Obi thing, I get it. This is also the same coach that when Derek Rose was traded, my first fear was that Emmanuel quickly is getting taken out of the rotation. And, uh, heavyweight champion of the world, Austin Rivers, uh, was the one <laughs> taken out of the rotation instead. So uh, I do trust that there is a hint of rhyme to reason. In, and I think we've discussed how Josh Hart fits on this team. I also want to say, I, I have no knowledge of this. They, they've been kicking out more. Um, they've avoided the first available floater a lot lately. The night because that Mitch we, is out. Right, but I think that's why is they've this is the adjustment that they've made in the last couple of games. The Miami Heat game was the first one that I noticed that oh, they're actually like passing the ball out of of the out of their drives too. They took 43 threes the other night against Orlando. I would hope that stays. I I, I actually think it's worked a lot better in their offense. It's only continued to stay top 10. Um but you're right, XJ. I, I'm curious to see why this this new wrinkle to the rotation does. And then when Mitch comes back, what that wrinkle to the rotation does anything to add about what the Knicks did do with Josh Hart. No, I mean, um, like I don't, I think he'll come off the bench um, for the rest of the season. Um, This summer, all bets mm-hmm. are like anything is up in there. It wouldn't surprise you if any moves were like, you know, like he's definitely a deuce upgrade, but you never know what may happen this summer. Um, again, because I don't think you can, I do not see a world where you can play, where you can take, you replace Grimes for Hart and 
it works. But the problem is if you replace Grimes, if you replace RJ Hart, it's like, oh, well, you know, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, 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 I'm really sad that this, that, you know, the prince that was promised, as he's referred to by some, may not be here. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. To your point, GMAC, um, there are a lot of guys that I thought wouldn't be here anymore under this coach and they stuck around. So, you know, maybe it'll surprise me again. To XJ's point, though, the Thibodeau's days are lettered. Uh, I'm so lettered. Sh- shout out JD from uh, Knicks Fan TV. He and I have a. I've mentioned this a lot that he and I, we just every night after we're both done with said live streams, then we DM each other, like how to go on Knicks fan TV, how to go on Knicks film school. Like, oh, Macri was going crazy. Oh, the, the, the calls were going nuts and we'll give our own takes. And I was, he was saying like, there's no way, like, do you think Tibbs gets fired? This is one of the most recent losing streaks. And he was like, do you think Tibbs gets fired if they lose in the play? And I was like, you telling me they sold out MSG and James Dolan got to recoup that and put on a show in a playing game. It was like, yes. It's like, yeah, he's fine. He's like, well, so the first question was, what if he loses in the playoffs? It's like, so how many? That's two sellouts at MSG. Okay. So that's two shows that he got to put on. And God forbid they make a game six. Oh my gosh. Here comes the extension. Um, I would tell the staunchest Thibodeau detractors, which like that might be someone, some people on this pod right now. There you go. Like, I would say buckle up for right for, for, for better or worse, this front office believes in him. I do have some Intel, but again, not a journalist that not everyone in the front sources. office. Listen, you got a lot of sources for a non-journalist. Andrew. All I'm going to say listen, is I want sources at, too. Come on. Listen, listen, uh, go to, go to Buffalo Wild Wings. They have plenty of sauces. <laughs> to choose from. Okay, Sean. All I'm going to say is that Berman tweet about how like William Wesley is an OB guy and Tibbs is less of an OB guy. He questions his IQ. I'm not so quick to dismiss that. Remember last year when the the Knicks had that three and seventeen stretch, and we went into the All Star break with like there's rumblings within the Garden that Tibbs' job is at is uh, on the hot seat, and it was like there there were, I believe there was a report that William Wesley might have been behind that. I think William Wesley is very much an OB guy, wants them to use him differently, and Tibbs we have heard is not as much of an OB guy. And this is the role that he believes is best for him. So I, I would say buckle up if you think that, Oh, if they do this, they're going to fire him. No, I think the front office as a whole actually believes in Tibbs and what does not want to put any of the pressure or frustration on themselves. You know, I actually believe and we maybe can get to this later in the show that I have seen things that can make me believe that Tibbs' days are actually numbered. Really? On th- oh, well, here then, Sean. What do you got? Well, the chairman of the Madison Square Garden Company recently went on a media tour, mm-hmm. and on the on the um, Carton and Roberts show on WFAN, he was asked, "Like, put your." What are your expectations this year? And he basically said, making the playoffs is fine. I don't expect more than that. And then he said, and then we'll make the play- we make the playoffs this year. That's good. And then next year, we hope to get better. And I thought about that. And I said, okay, 
that tells me that if if the goal is just making the playoffs this year, that means next year it's to win a playoff series. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going to expect. I don't know about you, but I don't feel very confident about Tom Thibodeau in a playoff series. Who's the other they, coach? Does it not, matter? Because, what if it's Doc Rivers? What if it's Doc Rivers? Well, I would... <laughs> XJ, what was that face? <laughs> Doc, well, I'll take Tibbs over Doc Rivers. That's okay. So you were on my point. Okay, you were on my side there. But okay. if it's Doc Rivers, that means the guy's on court. That's <laughs> one of them is Joel Embiid. That's yeah, oh, but, but who's the other <laughs> yes. one? Who's the other one? Uh, James oh, yeah. Harden. Coke Harden, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, so, okay. so, but the thing is... The problem is I saw Nate McMillan coach circles around Doc Rivers and Nate McMillan is not Doc Rivers, right? So my... You mean the, you saw Nate McMillan coach circles around Tibbs? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, saw yeah Nate McMillan. He, I mean, not for nothing. He then in the next round also coached circles around Doc, Doc, Doc Rivers. Rivers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know. there's, a, there's a guy, there's a Sixers fan. I wish his hearing this. But anyway, so my thing is, all right, Let's say the Knicks make the playoffs and I don't think it'll be against filling the first round. But if it's, you know, if J.B. Bickerstaff coaches circles around him and we lose in five, right? Mm -hmm. It is going to the atmosphere this year. This year. Okay. Yes. The atmosphere in that building won't be the best because it'll be like we're doing this again. Because after we saw, hey, the other team has arguably the worst defender in basketball, and we're just giving him a free ride on defense. So if we that happens, and then next season we run into the inevitable rough patch that this team runs into every year, and then the questions start rising like, well, can this guy help me win a playoff series? Then Mr the chairman of the Madison Square Garden Company might start saying, Leon, we're not having that shit again next year Mm -hmm. because I want more and this guy has not proven to me twice that he can... I'm not saying that he's right or wrong. All I'm saying is there is a scenario where next season that, that chairman says, you know what? This guy ain't the guy. So... Just keep. I, I'm saying it now. February 9th, twenty twenty three. On the record, I could be wrong. Okay. I could be wrong. But when he, when when he said that, like I expect better next year. That let me know. Like yes, having the building sold out is cool. But I don't want. I'm not signing up for forty three and thirty nine for the next four years. Mm. What do you guys think of that? Actually, you first. I think that. My maybe this is a controversial opinion. I think that the Knicks are more talented than they get credit for. Okay. I think that the Knicks players, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin. I think that now Josh Hart. I think that the Knicks players are, are really, really good and deeper than a lot of other teams. And so I think that they can actually kind of underperform their talent in the playoffs and still look like they overperformed. I think their sta- the standards for this team should be higher. I think mm-hmm. that fans look at this team and say, ah, you know, they're not that good. They don't have a superstar. 
if they, they what are they going to do? Make the playoffs? Okay, if they lose in five games, it's like ah, they lost to Embiid and them and those guys. It's like I think this is a really good team, and I think their standards should be a lot higher. So I think we can see them get to the playoffs and not perform that well. But I don't think it's going to come down on Tibbs. I don't think it's going to be like wow, Tibbs really let down how good the the, the talent he has on this roster. I think it's going to be like ah, eh, well, who did he have? His best player was Julius Randle. You know, look at how Julius Randle's playing this season. I'm not a Julius Randle fan. I don't think it's sustainable. But just objectively looking at how Julius Randle has played offensively, he's played like a top 10 to 15 offensive player in the NBA. It's ridiculous. Like Brunson in the clutch is absurd. Um, Quickly has been one of the most impactful players in the NBA for multiple years at this point. Like these guys are really, really good. And I don't think they get enough credit. And I think... I don't think the expectations are high enough for Tibbs to kind of like take this the brunt of like you had these high expectations and underperformed them. So I, I don't I I see Tibbs getting extended. I I really am starting to feel strongly about that. Sean, any follow up? I agree with XJ that like the idea that the Knicks are like this island of misfit toys is is not true, and I think everything that XJ said is perfectly rational. Again, we're talking about the chairman of the Madison Square Garden Company. Touche. That's all I'm going to say. And but, I, I'm not advocating for him to be fired. All I'm saying is when he said that, I said, hmm, look, he expects more. But neither am I. But the, uh, the line I took from his conversation with Evan is I think the one that has been said before it's the people are having fun at the garden. Like, that's what he cares about a show every night. And that's that I think is the biggest thing that I think has gotten in the past. When a coach has been fired, I remember fire Fisdale chance. I remember fire D'Antoni chance. I remember fire Woody chance in the garden. And they happened when the Knicks were getting blown out in the fourth quarter at Madison square garden. And Dolan was like, this shit needs to change. And we haven't been able to have that because the Knicks don't get blown out. They play all these close games that if you're going to boo them off the floor, the game just ended in heartbreaking fashion. So you don't get to boo them off the floor. That's the difficult part is that he's able to, to competently say like, we put on a show tonight, even though we lost. And you know, that might just be enough. Uh, It's why I, I almost empathize with the front office at this point that, like they're they're forced to put on a show and never lean either full way into development or a tank while also having to try to get better toward a championship. You know, uh, Mensa, what do you think? Uh, I'm in full agreement with XJ that the Knicks are all uh, to me like significantly better than they are showing. Mm-hmm. And that is because so again, I always come back to like cross sports references uh, early with, with um, Robert Sala. I had the criticism that if your defense is reliant on a great defensive line, maybe you're not that good of a defensive coach. Same thing with Tom Thibodeau. Like in order to be good on offense in the Tom Thibodeau scheme, you got to be able to do two things. One of two things, win in isolation or get a lot of offensive rebounds. And basketball is a lot more than isolation scoring and offensive rebounding. But I find that our offense is entirely too binary And like, yeah, we get some like off actions and like some options that are built into the plays, but they're not first or second reads. It's more it's more like, again, his philosophy. And I'm not just making this up. His philosophy is the game will tell you what to do and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. And yeah, that's great. When the game is telling Jalen Brunson what to do, Mm -hmm. that's excellent. 
when the game is telling this version of Julius Randle what to do, right? Guys who are having great offensive seasons, but not every basketball player needs that. A guy like RJ Barrett is not the best in isolation. A guy like Obi Toppin thrives in motion offense, right? So it's like, we are not extracting based on scheme alone. We are not extracting what we can out of these guys offensively. And if we're not doing it for the guy, for the smallest guys, we're also not doing it for the biggest guys. We're not making like Jalen Brunson doesn't get easy baskets. He has to do all of that work by himself. Julius Randle does not get easy baskets. And that is not a sustainable offense. If the offense that the Knicks were running were, it was like the offense itself created opportunities other than, all right, we're going to get Julius Randle to switch on to Alex Caruso and think that's great. Like if we were doing things like that made guys' lives easier, we might be a little further on in the standings. So I do think that the New York Knicks are better than they are playing just because the offense is designed for them to take difficult shots because they have to take shots out of isolation. Those are not the easiest shots in basketball historically, unless you're like Michael Jordan, but New slash. We don't have Michael Jordan. We have Jalen Brunson. Um, so I do think I do agree with that completely. But when it comes to Tom Thibodeau getting fired, I just don't. I think this team has, and this is somebody who is like not the biggest tips guy and one of the biggest RJ guys. I think this team has chosen who they are hitching their bandwagon to. I think they've made the wrong decision, and I will be very loud about that when I am right. They've made the wrong decision. Um, <laughs> But they they want to they're behind Tibbs they're behind Julius um they're not wrong for being behind Brunson but they're behind Brunson and that's just what it's going to be if they decide that hey we're going to trade um RJ Barrett and name your name your other asset for a guy that's going to take RJ Barrett's spot what I to me if they do it prematurely is what I will say. And it feels like they're going to need to do it prematurely because there is that expectation. Like Sean is saying that we may want a little bit more than a feisty little, you know, six seed. We may want to be a little better than that. So once those expectations come into the room is when guys start to feel, you know, the seat get warmer and they make desperation trades, which is, and, I, and I'll give the Knicks a lot of credit. They have not made that trade yet. They have not made that signing yet. They've, they've taken calculated risks. Some worked like um, Quentin Grimes at 25 or, signing Julius Randle and trusting that he would get his shit together. Some didn't work like Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier and um, Cam Reddish. Like they've, they've taken, they've made sound decisions all throughout. You can't disagree with, I guess to me, you can't disagree with the front office's process. Everything they've done so far has made some modicum of sense, but when things get tight, and they make that mistake because they have hitched their wagon to the wrong guys. And they kind of just have to make the mistake because I don't think that a lot of basketball is luck. So I don't think that this off season presents an opportunity and I could be wrong, but I don't think this opportunity, this off season presents an opportunity for the Knicks to get exponentially better. I think the increments, I think the continuous um, incremental getting better is available because it's available every off season. You can incrementally get better every year, but if the, if the owner and the front office and the coach are expecting to get exponentially better, I think they're lying to themselves and it may go south, but I just think, but to answer the question, I think the team has hitched their bandwagon to Tom Thibodeau for better or for worse. Oh, one more thing I will throw in. So I, everything you think that you guys said makes sense. The thing that I left out is that the, this front office also, we know that they're looking for the star trade. 
And if and when that star trade happens, everything I just said just gets sped the hell up because happiness equals reality minus expectations. So once you get the star in and it's like, wait a minute, I got to do this every night to be 44 and 38. And even if they don't get the star trade again, once this team gets to, like last year, last season is looked as like this awful season, even though they are 37 and 45. But why? We went from nothing to the playoffs. Then we got to the playoffs. We lost in five. It's like, all right, we'll be back next year. And then. So all I'm saying is our expectations are going to grow. And I don't think that this team thinks that I don't think that James Dolan thinks that we'll be a conference finalist next season. But when the expectations grow and they're not met, because, again, there's going to be that stretch. And you're right. It's not going to be we're losing by 20, but it would be like. Hey, look, we're up 20 again. And then now we're spamming Julius, uh, Julius Isles and or, or the third quarter of doom happened, like what happened against Dallas and we blew it. Right. All I'm saying is when that happens, our expectations get higher and then the building starts getting toxic. That's when things can start. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I just just remember what just remember what he said. His expectations like I think. I don't think James Dolan would be fine with. I think he wants to win. I think he wants to win a championship. I don't think he'd be fine with being the freaking nineties, uh, early two thousands Atlanta Hawks. I don't think he'd be fine. With uh, see, I think that's where we're different. I think he would, because that means we'll the Garden sold out and they're making the playoffs. Like, it's it's the one biggest revel- revelation of this season, Sean, is that I've like started to understand our owner and why there's like a scorned version of. Knicks fan that was like my age now in the mid 2000s and they were like we're lost with this guy now I don't I think he's stopped meddling as much and he has less say so in the the day to day that I think is good for this team but look my my entire thing about his days are lettered is that anybody expecting that this year is the year or like because this is the thing every every three game losing streak like th- this is coming off of two of the more impressive wins and one of the more impressive three week stretches that they've had. And we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about what things that Tibbs does wrong. And this, the, the front office is not going to fire him like anytime. Nor should is my point. Well, they shouldn't like anyone who's saying oh, yeah. he should be fired this year is like, no, like I agree. Up. Hold but on. My- hold on. Sean, what about your Seanism? What, what oh, must be done immediately? I would fire That's him. A good one. I would, but I know it's not going to happen okay. this year. So okay. there you go. Okay. I think the front office is like, it doesn't need to be done. He's doing a good job. He is meeting our, our owner's expectations. Let's go out on Fifth Avenue. Like, mm-hmm. that is just the reality I've come to to grips with, you know? I'm like Mensa, where I'm like, you've hitched your wagon to the wrong guy in a sense that like, maybe whatever you whatever your if your ultimate goal is to win a championship, you pick the wrong person. Now to your point, listen, I could be wrong. And if maybe James don't, is fine with 43 and 39 and losing in five every year, then, Hey, but I don't, but I know this city, this city won't stand for that. Like, you can't do that for five. You cannot do that okay. for five years. But realize what you just said. In five years. Yeah, exactly. That's, no, that's, well, yeah, that's different. <laughs> if no, they're still I'm going saying, 43 and 49 in five years. I agree. Years. And he was around for eight now, years. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. What I mean is, okay, if they're 43 and 39 in the, if next season they go 43 and 39, 
and they go out in the first round and the tips is still the coach, the year after that, it will be, all right, what are we doing? Okay. Okay. So I, I feel like we're in circles now. We are. realize what, I, what I'm saying is that there is a movement in the current fan base watching the current team that Knicks lose four in a row. Oh, time, they're going to fire him. Like it's going to happen. And like, they, again, the question that was posed to me, do you think if they lose in the play-in, would they fire him? And I said, no. And where I go to this is like, if they make the playoffs this year, if they're the five seed and lose a seven game series to, to Cleveland, I, man, I, I like, I might even be tips his fault that they lose, but they'd be like, Dolan will look at it. Like we got three home games. That was entertaining time at MSG. And then next year, if they again, go 43 and 39, you're right. That might then be the time where he's like, okay, we may need to reevaluate this. And then the year after years, Geez, what is that? You're five at that point. Um, that's when he Mensa. <laughs> for those <laughs> listening, <laughs> Mensa, what he said, year, what year five? five years <laughs> oh my goodness, no! So, oh Lord, Mensa. I'm saying to you nice. and to everyone else that thinks no, I like you're right. Maybe even Sean, like you're his right. days are numbered. I would say buckle up. You're right. This guy's going anywhere for a while. In the meantime, if, there a fan duel, if there was a FanDuel prop on Tibbs' extension, mm-hmm. I'm taking it at whatever the plus odds are. <laughs> yes. I'm taking oh, the it. extension doesn't matter to me because Dolan will extend you and then tell you to get the, like he doesn't care. Money He'll means nothing that. to Dolan. Yeah, That's yeah, true. He, he was paying That's four true. head coaches at once like two years ago. <laughs> like at a, cer- at a certain point, it's just like, like when he gets an extension, all right, you're fine. Their mind is going to be like, okay, guys, like <laughs> this doesn't exactly. need anything. I'm not even joking. He was paying Jeff Hornacek, David Fisdale, Mike Miller, and Tom Thibodeau at the same time. Like, d- money does That's not matter blowing. to to m- one Mr. James Dolan. Okay, this marathon episode of Casual Friday has officially come to an end. Uh, my thanks to Sean, to Mensa, to XJ. Uh, as always, we'll be back next Thursday with a a different version of the pod that I'm going to tell these guys about in just a second when we sign off. Um, but it'll be a fun episode that we're going to go through next Thursday. Uh, but until then, thank you for tuning in, everybody. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and review. If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video and remember to subscribe. Um, and until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Let's go Knicks. And we'll speak with you soon. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.